0: All right, well, we are continuing a series today called Realignment. Now, you may be wondering what that's all about, but I, uh, I just felt really strongly that in the season that we're in as, as human beings, as a nation, uh, uh, that it was so important for us, again, to kind of come back into alignment with the things of God. I don't know if you feel this way, but it seems like in some ways that we've gotten a little out of alignment As we look out around the world, it just seems like things aren't clicking. People aren't in good places. And and, and the thing that is so important to me as your pastor, the thing that I hope that you see, is that the Bible teaches that we as believers in Jesus Christ, regardless of our circumstances or situations, that we actually can be in alignment with God, even when everything else is out of alignment. And I just want you to know this. That when the church is out of alignment, we can't be who we are called to be to a world that desperately needs it. Right? Amen. And so, hopefully you'll allow me uh, some time, open your heart and your mind, to to receive what we have today. I'll give you kind of a background on what we did last week, but but I do want to start with what we're just calling our series verses. And this is in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Let me read this to you. God saved you by His grace when you believed. See, this is a thematic verse for the entire book of the Bible, or I maybe mean, the entire book of Ephesians. It could be for the New Testament. But listen, he says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. Now, why would God do that? Why was God interested in that? He goes on and he says, and you can't take credit for this because it was a gift from God. There's nothing you could do to deserve it. And so you were saved by his grace, not your grace And it was simply by putting your faith and trust in Him. Verse 9, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so that none of us can boast about it. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. It's so good to know that. Sometimes you don't always feel that way. But for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that He planned for us long ago. I love that God was thinking about me before I was even thinking. He was already planning. He was already planning for me to enter the world and there were things that he had me to do. And I just take great, uh, I just take great uh, enjoyment in knowing that and knowing that God has done that for me. And the, and the fact is, he's done that for you. Even if you don't know it. Even if you aren't a follower of Christ yet, which I hope you will become one today is that he was already planning for you. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that you serve or you could serve a God that was thinking about you before you even were thinking about him? I think there's something powerful about that. And so last week, we, we kind of established the, the, the kind of the guide or the, almost the guardrails for the entire book. And, and what we said was is that here's the big idea we discovered is that we have privileged position, Right? That requires responsible living. We have privileged position that requires responsible living. And so in other words, if you look at the book of Ephesians, what you notice is the first three chapters are helping you understand who you are in that privileged position. The following three chapters, four through six, are about you living that out. About being responsible to live out what God has put in you. And so it's so important you understand the basic breakdown of this book. You have a privileged position and you are called to be responsible with it. You are called to live that out in a world that desperately needs you to do it. And sometimes what I find is that Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, sometimes get annoyed at the church or they get annoyed at pastors or preachers because they're like, man, that guy's just preaching. He's not preaching deep enough. And while I appreciate that, which I don't, (laughs) uh, what I found is that it's not that the preacher isn't preaching deep enough. It's that the preacher's preaching the word of God to you. The issue is, is that we're not doing anything with it. The issue is is that that we hear the word, but we don't do anything with it. And here's the thing you've got to see, whether you like it or not, you may have been a Christian a long time and you may have been going to church and hearing all the good deep teaching and all the stuff. But the Bible says very clearly that if you don't ever do anything with it, the enemy of your soul will come and steal the seeds that were planted in your heart when you sat there in the pew and you listened to the word of God. And so as the word of God goes forth into your life, if you do nothing with it, the Bible says that the enemy comes and steals that seed. And that seed will no longer produce fruit in your life. And I don't, I don't know about you, but that, that's, that's, that's a little uh, a disconcerting, isn't it? It's a little troubling to know that I could sit in the pews or in a chair, or on my couch today, and hear the word of God over and over and over again and never do anything with it, and the reality is is that the harvest of the Lord isn't coming to pass in my life because it's being stolen from me because I didn't do anything with it. And so, this is kind of a big deal, isn't it? It's kind of a big deal that we understand that, that we have a privileged position, and we are called to live responsibly because of it. So that's, that, that was last week and sets the tone for what I want to talk about today because, see, we're going to deal with the first chapter of Ephesians. And I'm pretty sure all of you have read the first chapter of Ephesians because I gave you the homework last week. I'm sure you did. And if you didn't, I want to encourage you today. At some point, maybe even after the message, at some point, find some time to read the first chapter of Ephesians. You know, after you go to the sizzler. After you go to the sizzler. And get your food, wherever you're going. Sit down on your couch. And I know that you're thinking about turning on that TV. You're thinking, man, I'm going to watch some football. No, you're not. (laughs) Maybe some golf. But before you hit that, before you hit that, just go ahead and read that chapter. Read that chapter. Read it a couple times. It's not very long. And I want you to really focus your energy on this first chapter because that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I believe there's so much good stuff in this first chapter because it starts to lay out for us what that privileged position really is. See, here's, here, here's another thing I know is that all of us had a before Jesus. Did you know that? All of us had a before Jesus. Whether You, you may still be at before Jesus, but some of you have come into the faith. You're a part of the family now. You've said yes to Jesus. And, 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 and so, but we know that there was a before. There was a before. And some of us grew up in Christian homes and it was great and it was all good. And, you know, we did our thing and then we went to church and it was just beautiful. And then some of us didn't have that experience. And we made a mess of things and we did all kinds of dumb things. And we had problems. And and and, and what happens is you get those kinds of people together. And, and sometimes we even compare our stories, which is so weird to me. Like, you know, like if your story's not really bad, you feel like somehow something's wrong with you. Like, man, Jesus really didn't save me for much. I mean, my life's been pretty good. It's like, that's so, no, that is not what the Bible teaches. Regardless of whether you did really bad things or you kind of did bad things or you were like in the, the Bible. Bible says that we're all in the same boat. Period. Period. And so there was a before Jesus. There was a before Jesus and here's the reality that we all have to see is that before Jesus we were all locked in a prison. It was a prison of sin and that prison of sin kept us locked up and we had a jailer and that jailer was the devil. And he was constantly tormenting us. He'd come by and torment you. And he would torment you and say, hey, how is it in that jail? And not just just that. He would do it with the law of God. He would do it with the law. And so, so, so what would happen is you're in this prison and the devil is your jailer. And he keeps throwing the law at God at you and says, see, you don't measure up. You see, the law was good at pointing out our sin, but wasn't necessarily good with saving us. But yet, God had a plan. He's had a plan from the very beginning. He wasn't surprised by human sin. He wasn't surprised that we screwed it up in the garden. He wasn't like caught off guard. He's like, wow, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect these humans to be like this. No, no, he knew. And that's the crazy thing. He knew what we would do, and he still allowed it to happen. Why? Why? Because he wants us to freely choose to love him. Because, see, if we have no choice to love God, then it's not really love. And so God wanted us to choose to freely love him. And part of God's redemptive story was to introduce that to us so that we understood that our free will was really there for us to choose to love a God that loved us first. And so we all had a before Jesus. We all had a before Jesus. And I'm just so thankful that God was already thinking about me, already thinking about you. He was already thinking about it because, see, He had a plan. And it was a redemptive plan that all of us need to see. And so here's the big idea I want you to get today as we move through chapter 1 of Ephesians. And that's this. If we are in Christ, then we are richly blessed. If we are in Christ, we are richly blessed. Now, now, now I want to read something to you in Ephesians chapter 1. Again, we're in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 3 through 6. Get this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praising God. He says, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. Get that word. That word in Christ is repeated over and over and over again in the first three chapters of this book. Just as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ to himself, according, look at this, according to his good pleasure. It was his will. He desired this. It brought him great joy. And Paul goes on to write in verse 6, to the praise and glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the Beloved. Now, I, I chose that passage of Scripture, that version even, that you would see this word, beloved. Because see, see, sometimes we lose sight of what we were blessed for, what we were blessed into. I think there's kind of this lone, uh, lone ranger kind of mentality sometimes to Christianity. That, and I think it comes out of an American idea that we somehow are kind of on our own, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And here, 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 I get it. I understand that ethic. But I think it's important you understand that when you were saved, if you are saved, you were brought into the beloved. And I use that word intentionally because I think sometimes we forget what the beloved is. What were we brought into? Here it is. We were brought into the church. The beloved is God's church. The Bible says that God's church is his bride. Jesus died for that church. And some of us have something in our craw about God's church. We don't love it. We're angry with it. We're mad at it. We don't even want to be a part of it. Christian, I need to talk to you for a second. If that's where you are, you are out of alignment. You are out of alignment because the Bible says very clearly that you were saved and placed in the beloved You were placed in the church. And some of us have been hurt by the church and we've been hurt maybe even by leadership within the church. But guys, you've got to see this. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus died and loves his bride. And that means that I have an adjustment to make. God doesn't adjust for me. I adjust for him. And it's so important we see that. And so we are blessed, look at that. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. So here's the big idea I want you to get today is that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing to be a blessing, right? We are blessed, we are privileged in a position to be a blessing to the world. We are privileged to be able to live out what God has called us to live out. And here's the thing, these blessings aren't just things that happen in the heavenly. They're actually things that can happen now. The kingdom of God is now and not yet. And so the things that Christ says to us, the things that Paul says to us in his word, in God's word, is that these things can come to pass in my life now. And so often we think it's over there, by and by. And then sure, there are things that will come in the by and by. But we have to remember that we are blessed now. And the reason we're blessed now is so that we can be a blessing to the world. We've got to get back into alignment, church. That's what we're called to do. And so I just want to share with you just a few things that you're blessed with. Okay, is that okay? You're all right? You're like, okay, Here's it is. So here's the, here's the oh, it's so good. You are saints in Christ Jesus. Did you know that? saints and by the look on your face you're not all that surprised by it i'm not even sure you think that's very profound which concerns me as your pastor that concerns me because the fact that the apostle paul calls you a saint is very significant very significant because see, sometimes I talk to people in this, say, well, you know, who are you? And you say, well, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Right? Which, I mean, that would be biblical, right? Because I was, I'm saved by grace when I believed and so, that makes sense, I mean, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Here's the problem, here's the problem with that. There is a mentality. There is a mentality of I'm a sinner saved by grace that I think is problematic. Matter of fact, I think it's what the devil sometimes leverages us us to be able not to fulfill what God has called us to be. In other words, it's worm theology. It's I'm thinking like a worm. I'm thinking like a sinner. I'm not thinking like a saint. Because, see, the Bible says that when I said yes to Christ, when I believed in him, the Bible says he saved me. And then he gave me a new position. And my new position is one of saint. You've heard me say this. It is good news, bad news, good news. Good news is I was created in the image of God. Bad news is we messed it up. Good news is is that Christ did something about it. And so we are then brought back into the family of God and established as saints Come on, church. It's so important you see this, that Paul, when he writes his letters, he starts there all the time. He says, saints, saints, saints. And so he says, saints in Christ, Ephesians 1.1. And then watch this. Here's a few more things that you're blessed with. You ready for this? I'm going to just give it to you. Fire it. I'm going to fire it at you. You're just going to be like, wow, whoa, that's a lot of blessing. Here it comes. Blessed in Christ, Ephesians 1-3, 1-3, you're blessed in Christ. Ephesians. We just read that. You're chosen in Christ, Ephesians 1-4. You're adopted in Christ, Ephesians 1-5. We talked about being adopted into the beloved. Lavished with love in Christ, Ephesians 1-6. I'm redeemed and forgiven in Christ, Ephesians 1-7. His will is revealed. In, himself. in other words, the will of God is revealed into your life when you are in Him, Ephesians 1.9. How often do we ask, what is God's will for my life? The Bible says it's been revealed. It's been revealed. You don't have to sit under a tree somewhere and, and, and fast for 60,000 days hoping that you'll understand what God's will is. It's right here for you. Everything will be made right and brought under His authority. Come on. Ephesians 1.10 All of the sin and the brokenness and the injustice in this world will eventually bow its knee under the authority of Christ. I love that I serve a God that's going to make things right. Ephesians 1.10 Participants in God's good plan in Christ, Ephesians 1, 11. We have opportunity to participate in all the things that God prepared for us. Glorified in Christ and sealed with his Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 12 through 13. Are you guys getting this? You've been sealed with the Holy Spirit today. There's nothing that can take that away from you, that you are who God says you are. And he put his stamp of approval on you. And I just think that's good news because sometimes we doubt that. Sometimes we look in the mirror and we don't see that. But I think you have to be reminded again today of your privileged position. Of who you are and who God has made you to be. The inheritance in Christ, Ephesians 1-4. Wow. An inheritance in Christ. I, I think that's a beautiful thing. I, my, my parents are both alive and someday they'll probably die. That's what I'm told. That's what I see. And I'm pretty sure there ain't much coming my way inheritance-wise. But guess what? That's not true in the kingdom of God. That's not true. That's not true. I'm I'm given an inheritance I don't deserve. Ephesians 1.14 says it. Faith in Christ. I have faith in Christ. Ephesians 1.15. Wisdom in Him. I'm blessed with wisdom. I can have wisdom in Christ. If you lack wisdom, the Bible says just ask. Just ask. I'm telling you, it's the coolest thing to ask God for wisdom. And then when he gives it, thank him for it. Ephesians 1.17 says that. Hope in Christ. that, That whatever happens in this world, I always have hope. And guys, there is a lot of hopelessness right now in our world. And as Christians... As believers, as people in the privileged position, we are to bring that hope to bear on the world. When our friends are going down, when our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are feeling down, when they don't see what's real, our job is to bring them back to what's real. And the hope that we have in Christ. And then finally, the power in Christ. Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. Woo! We have power in Christ. And so in other words, God doesn't call you to do something that he's not, he does not empower you for. Everything you've been called to do, everything that he put in front of you, everything that he's told you to do, he has empowered you to do. So when someone comes to me in the church and they say, Pastor, I can't do that. I say, "Fooly." That's what I'm going to say to you if you come to me. Some of you are like, I'm never going to talk to that man again. But think about it. Think about saying that. I can't. I can't. (laughs) Think about that for a second. You have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, living inside of you, and you're telling me you can't. Come on. As my mama used to say, can't never could do nothing, could he? And that's what happens. We get that sinner mentality. We get that slave mentality. We start to think this and think that, and we forget that we are saints empowered by God, sealed by the Holy Spirit, given everything we need. So the next time somebody asks you to do something for the kingdom of God, you should say, I'm in. And then you say, God help me. Because in your own power, you can't do it. But in God's power, you can fulfill everything that he has called you to fulfill. Do not let the devil lie to you. You are privileged by God for the things that he's called you to. Now, here's the cool part, guys. That's just the first chapter. Like, you're, we didn't even get to chapter 2 and chapter 3 about your privileged position. That's just chapter 1. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing to know how blessed you are? And so anytime you start to think, I'm not blessed, you read a chapter, Ephesians chapter 1, and then be encouraged and get to work. Be encouraged with your privileged position and get to work. Don't let the devil steal that from you anymore. And so here, I want to zero in on something that I talked about in the blessing, and that is our redemption. It's so important we see this, because again, going back to what we read in Ephesians chapter 2, God saved us by his grace, right? When we believed, there is a redemption that is occurring that, that that many of us have experienced. We talked about before Jesus, and now we're talking about after Jesus, and some of us are still before. But here's the thing you've really got to see is that there was a reason Jesus came. It was a part of his redemptive story, if you don't know it. Ephesians 1:7 says it this way: He is so rich in kindness and grace for all of us that think God is mean. For all of us that think he's just angry. For all of us that think that he's out to get us, listen to what Paul says. He is so rich in kindness and grace. You know, the Bible says that it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Did you know that? It's his kindness. So powerful of an idea when we really start to understand who this God is that we worship. He is so rich in kindness and grace that that he purchased our freedom. Freedom. Bondage is incongruent with the gospel. All bondage is incongruent with the gospel. It is not confusing. It is not unclear. It's very straightforward. The gospel is there to set people free. And it's by his blood, it's by his blood that he has forgiven our sins and set us free. So good that we see this. Some of you need to be reminded of that today. Some of you need to be introduced to it today. That our redemption comes from Christ. See, I don't know if you know this, but that that word redemption or redeem, it means to buy back or to pay a ransom price. You get it? In other words, there was a debt to be paid that you couldn't pay. And yet Jesus came and paid it for you. He was willing to bring you back into the fold. He was willing to place you in the beloved. And I praise God that he was willing to pay off my tab. Isn't it such a good thing when someone pays for lunch? Isn't it so cool when someone like you, you have a big dinner and someone pays for it. You're just like, score. Love that. Sometimes I wish I knew before, so I'd order more food. But there's something about that. And so we get excited about when somebody pays our dinner, but do we get excited about when we think about what Jesus has done for me? What he's done for you? So good. And so here's just a couple of thoughts I give you on that. One is the Father planned it. Like from the very beginning of time, God already had this in mind. He wasn't surprised by it. He had already planned that Jesus was coming into the world. He wasn't surprised. And so the father planned it, so he's thinking about you. The son paid for it. So the father planned it, and the son has paid for it now. He's paid the bill, and then the spirit has applied it. The spirit has taken all that's happened and applied it into your life and now given you the power to apply it in everything you do. So when you say I can't, that's not true. It's not true. Let me say it again. It's not true. Stop doubting the fact that God has given you what you need to do what he's called you to do. This world needs people that believe that. We have to get back into alignment with the things that the Bible says. Because if we don't, we will not live in the position that we're called to. We will not do the things that we are called to do. We will not walk through or walk towards the pain of this world. Because we will be afraid. And over and over again in the Bible it says, do not be afraid. Why? Because you can't be killed? No. But because your God is with you. And whether I die... Oh, whether I live, it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's why we don't fear. That's why. And man, I'm going to ask you a question Does, Does the world need those kind of people right now? Does the world need those kind of Christians walking around? I guarantee it. And so grace is unmerited favor. I don't deserve it. God's God's forgiveness comes to me. It's it's unending. And I'm just so grateful that it is not limited to my faults. Because I'm sure I'm the only one that has faults in here. I'm sure I'm the only one, right? I say the wrong things. I do the wrong things. I sometimes make bad choices. And I'm just so grateful. And sometimes it's even hard to apply to your life, isn't it? When you screw up. When you, when you do something you shouldn't do. Sometimes it's hard to even give yourself the grace that already exists. And the thing you've got to learn is that, that, that Jesus is already there pouring it out on you. Pouring it out on you. That your standing before God has never been affected by your screw ups. It's that his grace is sufficient. It's more than enough. And so we're blessed. We're blessed to be a blessing, aren't we? We're blessed with every spiritual blessing to be a blessing, and we are redeemed for sure. And then I want to just kind of end with this, because I thought it was so important for us to see. Some of us think that the Apostle Paul, as we've read him, is, can be sometimes a little harsh. You know, we read him, we're like, wow, he's really straight. He really just tells you how it is, doesn't he? And, and so sometimes what can happen is we start to forget that Paul was a man He was also an apostle. He dealt with problems. He dealt with issues. He had to confront things that many of us would never even want to be in the room when they were confronted. He dealt with challenges that some of us never could even experience. And sometimes that's the only side of Paul that we see. But there are these beautiful moments in his letters that you actually hear what he's praying. And there's something amazing about hearing someone pray. Because when you hear someone pray, oftentimes you can actually see what's in their heart. You can actually see what's there. And and, and so Paul starts to share with the Ephesian church and he starts to tell them what he's been praying about. And here's the thing that I want you to see that's so important and in a very practical way. Some of you have disassociated yourself with churches, with pastors, with leaders, because maybe they said something that you didn't like, or maybe they did something that you didn't like, or maybe they even made a decision that you did not agree with. And just, I just want to encourage you today. Every leader is dealing with many, many things, many challenges that you don't even see. And right now, I've noticed that a lot of people love to throw bombs at leaders. They love to be throwing bombs. You're not doing enough. You're not saying enough. You're not doing the X, Y, and Z. And I understand why people do that. But you've got to be real careful that you don't ever forget the burden that your leader is carrying. And one of the things I'll encourage you to do, before you write off your leader, you ask God to help you see your leader's heart. You ask God, Because I can tell you this, you can deal with a lot of stuff if you know the heart of the person. Even things you disagree with. You can, if you know their heart, and that's what I love about what Paul's doing here, is he's showing us his heart. He's showing us what's really deep down in there. And and we get a a view of all the challenges he's facing, but how he earnestly is praying for the church. Listen to this. And this is a little longer passage, and I'm just going to kind of run through it with our time remaining. Is that okay? Let's just run through this real quick. It's going to be good, I promise. Verse 15, watch this. Paul's writing. He says, ever since I heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I love that. Paul's encouraging them. He's saying, man, when I hear about what you're doing, you guys are rocking it. You are knocking it out of the park. It is so good to know that you are doing that. And I want you to know that I can't stop thanking God for it. That's a powerful insight into his heart. He says, I pray for you constantly. I pray for you constantly. Do you know your pastor prays for you constantly? Do you know your leader is praying for you? Matter of fact, let me ask you this. And it it makes it sound like I'm like trying to uh, get you guys to be nice to me or something. I don't, and that's not what I'm doing. I hope you understand that. I, I don't think sometimes we think of our pastors as gifts to us. They're actually gifts to you. God put them in your life as a gift. They're there to be a gift to you. And so he's, he's sitting there talking about it. He says, I'm praying constantly for you. Isn't it good to know that someone's praying for you? This is the glorious Father, our Lord Jesus. He, he's praying that they would have spiritual wisdom and insight so that they might grow in their knowledge of God. He's praying these things on your behalf. He goes on, he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light. So that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called. His holy people who are rich and oh, he, he says, who are rich and glorious in this glorious inheritance. Goes on, he says, I also pray that you, that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. These are the things he's praying for you. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the places of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And so he's, man, he is downloading some theology and he's telling you what he's praying and he's saying to you look 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 here listen and this is my heart too and it was Paul's heart is that you would be flooded with light that as we walk through this series that you would be flooded with light in the areas of your life that are dark in the areas that you don't talk about, those locked doors in your house, the places that you don't want anybody to go, all of those things. God, would you flood us with light? Because the Bible says that wherever light is, wherever light is, that darkness can't exist. And that's true for my own holiness. That's true for me and my standing before God and my, my own purity. But it's also true for my activity. It's also true that that, that I'm called as a follower of Jesus not just to be holy, uh, not just to be holy personally, but I'm also called to be holy socially. That in everything I do, everywhere I go, I'm called to be a privileged position person giving the world the light that lives in me. And so may you be flooded with the light. That's what my hope is. That's how you get realigned as you start to believe again that you're flooded with light. We know what it means to be flooded. We live in Fenton. We've seen it. And so may God flood you and push out everything in you. Push out every, every uh, bitterness, every anger every hurt, every, everything of unforgiveness in your life. May you push out all of it. May you push out addictions. May you push out all the things that are keeping you back. May it may be flooded in your life. And so may I be flooded that my, I might have greater understanding of who God is. And this is what Paul is praying for you. And then look, he says very clearly... that, that, that we have this inheritance. And it's so powerful to think about. There's this inheritance. And it talks about how Christ has this inheritance. And you know what that inheritance is? It's you. Like, when Jesus died for the world, he didn't get like a million bucks. You were what he got. You are his inheritance. I think sometimes we forget that. And then on top of that, he tells us that, 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 that now, look at this in verse 21, now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Don't we need to hear that? Not only in, in, in this world, but in the world to come. And then look in verse 22, God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And he has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. In other words, Christ is the head. He is the authority. He is the authority over all government. He is the authority over all political groups. He is the authority over all churches. He's the authority over your life, over your house's life, over your family's life. Christ is the authority. No one, no system, nothing is above the authority of Jesus Christ. So be not dismayed. May the hope of Christ fill your heart. May you be flooded with the light of Jesus. And then in verse 23, he says, And the church is his body, that he is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Wow. Friends, you sit in a privileged position. My heart for you is that you'd be flooded with light and that you would understand the privileged position that you're in and then begin to act out of that privileged position so that the world can see it. we got to get realigned so that we can get to the business that God has called us to. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for each person in this room, each person that's tuning in online. God, I believe that there are some here that just need to recommit their lives to this position. Perhaps they've forgotten who they are. Perhaps they've forgotten their privileged position. Perhaps they've forgotten the blessed life that they can have in you. Perhaps they've forgotten that they're blessed to be a blessing. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I ask that you'd fill them again with your light, that you would flood their lives and their bodies, their minds, their hearts, their spirit with you. Flood them with your light, Lord Jesus. If that's you, just simply say, Lord, I I ask your forgiveness for not living in that position, for not uh, reflecting regularly on the redemption that comes through you. Renew me, renew my spirit, renew my heart. So that I might stand in that place and, and and really serve the world around me. God help me. I need you. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I want to talk to someone else in the room or online. And, and that is, as I talked, you you may not know that privileged position. Even as I talked, you may think, you know, I don't have that relationship. I, I really have never been introduced to that kind of redemption in my life. Here's the good news. All the good work that you've done, it's not going to help you. The only thing that's going to help you is Jesus. He's the one that can save you. He's the one that can change your heart. He's the one that can empower you for the work that he's called you to do. And all that he asks you to do, the Bible says, is to accept the gift that he's stretching out to you right now. All you have to do is reach out in faith and take it. And the Bible says that, that, that through God's grace, he will save you today. And you'll enter into that relationship with him. And so I want to be able to pray for you. And so if that is you, let's all pray together. No one's praying alone. But let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you set me free? Be my Savior. I surrender to you today. Be my Lord. Show me my purpose. I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate anybody that was making a decision today? Hey, we are so proud of you.